Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Adrian Martini. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good, good. You are back from Chicago. Yes, the lovely windy city, which was super duper windy while I was oh, there. Um, really? Really? Yeah, it was windy and the it was just above the point where it would snow. So it was a oh. nice freezing cold rain the entire time. Oh, the um, worst. It was a cold yeah. rain is so lousy. <laughs> yeah, because snow, at least you're not soaked and cold. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was the weather was not on my side this trip, but so be it. It's all right. Um, I was okay. there for a conference for uh-huh. my actual job job. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like all I do is run and write, but um <laughs> Well, that would be on, ideal. Talk on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that it, I also uh, work in mag in the magazine alumni magazine industry, uh-huh. uh, and I was in Chicago for a conference. Okay, so okay. and we were right well, downtown, which was awesome. Yeah, I know. I saw some pictures on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, but before we get into your trip, I realized we need to you know visit uh, the topic that you know identifies you. Uh, did oh. you knit on the uh, plane? Do you knit on the on a plane, I, or do you? I generally knit on the plane, um, uh-huh. just because I've discovered like the last four or five flights, I've turned into a really awful flyer. It used really? to never. I, I used to never think about it, and I don't know where this came from. Um, huh. And I still do it, but. I need somebody in my head saying, you know, it's just bumps on the road, just bumps on the road. You're not falling out of the sky. It's just bumps on the road. Um, But some part of my brain lately is just like, oh, my God, we're falling out of the sky. Um, Chicken little. I know. And my rational brain is like, oh, no, everything, everything really is fine. The flight attendants look perfectly calm. They do this. I always tell myself how many planes are, you know, how many flights are per day. And that, you know, you never hear if anyone's just oh, right. falling out of the oh, sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my, again, my rational brain knows all of that. Uh-huh. That little tiny voice in the back of my head is like, no, 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 no. This time you're falling out of the sky. <laughs> no, no. This time now you're falling out of the sky. Not falling out of the sky. I know that. Anyway. So, yes, I do knit on planes. Um, uh-huh. You are perfectly it's perfectly allowed to bring uh-huh. knitting needles um okay. onto airplanes and any knitting needles it's not like a specific yeah. oh yeah no no, no, no. any mm-hmm. knitting needles um okay i once had somebody one of the tsa agents prove that i actually could knit this was back when they were in a more heightened oh my gosh. alert um oh, yeah wow yeah they were just twitchy that day i think anyway so um but yeah, I've never, that's the only time I've ever had anybody question. Uh, uh-huh. And I worked on a sock, which is my official travel sock. I only knit on it when I'm on like planes or in cars or something like that. Because socks is are it perfect. an especially long sock or something? No, or no it's just especially tiny yarns. So. <laughs> um, there have been a series of travel socks. I'm not saying it's been the one sock for like 10 years. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I worked on the official travel sock uh-huh. uh, and listened to podcasts. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the best. I lo- yes. I, uh, I needlepoint often on flights because the light is so great. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. up above the clouds, so you have a lot of natural light. And, and you get you your can, own special light. Right. That's exactly shining on, yep. you know, what's in your lap. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And then listen to podcasts. Oh, it's uh, it's fairly fantastic. Yeah. Yes. 
And keep telling yourself, not falling out of the sky, not falling out of the sky, everything's fine. And, and also not getting your yarn damp from sweaty palms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, so I, yes, so I did knit on the, the flight back and forth. Okay. Um, okay. I did not knit when I was driving from here up to the airport, though. So good. Good, FYI. good, good. 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 All right. So you're so Chicago, you had other than your conference, which I'm sure was exciting. You had a very you had a very exciting. It was Thursday evening, right? Yes. Yes. So Thursday evening um, when I realized when I'd be in Chicago Uh uh, and that my all time favorite favorite, except for this one podcast Uh would be taping. Uh-huh. Um, I looked at their schedule and discovered they would be at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown oh. Chicago. Downtown uh, Chicago. <laughs> on the day that I would be there, too. Um, so I made note of when the tickets opened for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for that particular uh-huh. day. Um, and it, I think it was 10.01 a.m. Central Time. I jumped uh-huh. on and got one ticket to go see a taping of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And it was... Wait, do you think do you think the tickets are that hard to get? They are. Oh, yeah. Apparently it's a thing. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right. the... I mean, I love the show, too. Don't get me wrong. But I just... it. Did, I mean, they're, they're based in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of thought it would be... Uh, you know, relatively easy. Um, the theater itself that they record in is, mm-hmm. it's tiny. I mean, it's oh. itty bitty. So I think that kind of limits, mm. um, I mean, it limits the number of tickets. And the whole theater itself is kind of upholstered and carpeted. So it's a nice kind of acoustically dead space. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but it is, it's tiny. There's maybe uh-huh. only a hundred and some seats. So oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and we were all, I think they had like three or four seats available that night that people had not shown up to claim their tickets. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All so right. they do fill up. So uh-huh. I made sure to get my tickets. Um, and it was fortunate that that night at the conference, there was really nothing going on. Not that I would have given up my ticket to... Right, right. You know, <laughs> I got go plans, to, people. Gotta go. Yeah, got plans, got plans, gotta go. Uh, and then I looked at a map and realized it was only three blocks from the hotel oh. where we were. So, I mean, oh, it was... fantastic. It wow. Was, it was it all, meant to be. It was kismet. Yeah, I love um, that word. I love yeah, that. I do too. Um, <laughs> it was pouring down rain, though, which was still kind of a bummer. But Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I hauled myself up to the Chase Bank Auditorium. Uh-huh. Uh, and watch the taping, and it was really cool. It was the episode with Sarah Koenig, which just aired. I know. Oh, I oh I listened, and you had said that yes. you um la- that you started laughing before anyone else, and excuse me, just you on said... one joke, one joke right, for some reason right, caught right. me before and it caught was... everybody else. It was the one, wasn't it about um uh it was about NPR financing? No, it was the one. Uh, well, there might have been that one too. That was also very funny. Uh-huh. Um, it was one, it was about cereal during the, uh, Sarah Koenig interview, breakfast cereal. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And like the option was something like Lucky Charms Easter Rising. And for some oh. reason, <laughs> it, it just tickled me in just the right way. Uh, and I remember sitting in the auditorium, I started to laugh and I was like, nobody else is laughing. Why is nobody else laughing? This is really funny. Uh, maybe I'm just having some kind of seizure. And, then, and then I was like, oh, okay, there's everybody else now. Okay, good. 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 Um, and I got to hear all the jokes that aren't fit for NPR airwaves, uh-huh, which was nice. Uh-huh. Uh, I know. And yeah, I cannot... they, they, yeah. 
They cut down their show. They edit they it. They do. It doesn't all appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Greg Proopst is a naughty, naughty man. Um, mm. So he had some jokes that I that will not repeat first time, here. That was his first time hosting, or being not hosting, but being on a, a contest. I'm or a, not sure you know, about guest that. I feel oh, like he's oh. been a panelist, but he's not one of the regulars. He shows right, up every right. now and again. Yeah. So it was yeah. him and Amy Dickinson and mm-hmm. Luke Burbank, who mm-hmm. is funnier than you would think. He is... Oh. He's very funny. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Peter Sagal and uh, Bill, who yeah. has a last name. Bill Curtis. Bill, Bill Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he just plays up his first name so much in the, in, yes. when he introduces himself that he has a last name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm your spokes, Bill, or whatever yeah, the joke right. is that week. Uh, right, right. Um, yeah. And he would mean more to me if I grew up in Chicago, I suspect. But Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's a guy with a great voice. Yes. So. Yes. So okay. So so Peter Sagal, mm-hmm. um, marathon runner, multi-time Boston Marathon qualifier, yes. a dad. Yes. Funny guy. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so after the show, they do a little Q and A. Um. Mm-hmm. And then after the Q and A, every the panelists and the host go up and sign autographs and take pictures and do all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And what amazed me, and I'm going to start there and then work backwards, is that they, every single one of them was personable uh, and stayed until every last person was, who wanted to speak with them, spoke to them. I mean, it was really, it was really impressive. Um, Uh Because I've been at signings like that, where you could tell nobody wants to be there, but they Uh all seem Uh very clear. Maybe it's just an NPR or just a Midwestern uh, Uh Western thing. But so I got to meet Peter Sagal. Uh-huh. Uh, and because I have a good friend who is friends with Peter Sagal. Oh. Um, not a good, good name, friend, but n- a name friend. dropper. Name dropper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who's friends with Peter Sagal. Um, <laughs> he suggested, yeah, I'm just going to drop that name. Just drop it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned I was going to this taping, and he said, We'll take your New York City uh, marathon medal with you. Oh. Clever. Yeah, right? And be sure to show it to him. <laughs> just uh, bring it. <laughs> yeah, just bring it. <laughs> just wear it as if it were jewelry. Um, and so I did that. Uh-huh. And apparently Kyle, the friend, also had texted at some point that I was going to do this. Um, so, yeah. Had, so I met Kyle Peter. had texted to, to Peter? Well, he had put it on Twitter and then tagged oh. Peter Sagal okay. on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I was also supposed to give Amy Dickinson a big hug from Kyle. So oh, I okay. mentioned to her that I was this strange woman who was about to hug her and, and why. Um, uh-huh. okay. So I met Peter Sagal, uh, showed him my medal, uh-huh. um, which sounds naughty, but really wasn't. I was going to say, it's not a euphemism for anything. No, nope. uh-huh, yeah. actual uh-huh. medal, which <laughs> I put made sure to put in my uh, carry-on bag rather than in my luggage, because I did not want Clever. a baggage handler stealing my... my New York City Marathon medal because you know that's what all, everybody wants, right? Right, right. Uh, and I had to actually explain it in security because, of course, there was this big chunk of metal in my bag, and they're like, "What's that?" Oh, and wow. I said, "Well, let me tell you about it." <laughs> um, and, and do I, you want me to knit for you too? Yes. <laughs> really, I am exactly who I say I am. Believe right. it or not, I am this dorky. Really, really, really. Uh, so anyway, I met Peter Sagal. Uh-huh. Um, we talked about marathons. Uh, I took a selfie with him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, 
And while I am not Sarah or Dimity tall, I am still taller than Peter Sagal. Um, uh-huh. That doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh. No, no. But man, he's a fast runner. So. Oh, he sure is. Yeah, yeah. And you uh, are tall. We should say that you are. I am tall, but I am not. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah or Dimity tall. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember in the Syracuse. Hotel? Hotel, is that yeah. the clean, cleaning lady said. So there was Dimity, me, you, and Denise Dollar, who is right. at least 5'9". Yeah, yeah, also yeah. yeah, so 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 all of us are 5'9 or better. Taller, yeah. sorry. Not not making a judgment, taller. Um, and uh, and so that when I came, was coming back from a run, the cleaning lady looked at me and smiled. And bear in mind, we were in Syracuse, New yes. York. <laughs> and um, she, she smiled and was like... And then she said, oh, what what team are you with or what what sport what do you, year did you play i think was some something something like something that. And, I, yeah. and i thought she was talking about my running and then i'm like i turn around and i go oh no 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 we're not we're not like syracuse basketball <laughs> alumni <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just have to be tall. <laughs> right. So, oh, four women, they're sharing two rooms. Yes. And, you know, like, yes. so they obviously know each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we're very tall. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, we're just runners. We're not basketball players. Yeah. 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 And I think okay. Dimity was like either just off Iron Man or was about to do the Iron Man. And so, of course, she looks buff yeah, super and fit. ready yeah. to take on the world. Right. Um, but yeah, no, no, not, not basketball players. Anyway, so met Peter Sagal. I am told. Um, had a lovely conversation about marathons. Uh, and he, of course, asked the question everybody asks uh, when they run a marathon. Uh, so how was that last hour of the running? Uh-huh. And of course, oh, the answer question. is not great. But uh-huh. uh, you reach a point where you've come this far, you might as well just keep going. Um <laughs> So yeah, uh, and I have hatched a scheme, and I won't tell you all of the details in case it doesn't uh, work oh. out. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. You told me that you had a scheme. I was all excited to hear the details no. today. No, no, oh. no. All right. okay. Um, okay, and so that the scheme would be to how to get Peter Sagal on, the podcast. The, yeah. on our podcast, on yes. the Another Mother Runner podcast, to be the guest, particularly I would love to have him for Father's Day, yes. because we like to have a father runner Last year we had um, Tom Foreman of and of uh, CNN, right? And uh, we had the gentleman who um, pushed his son in the wheelchair across mm-hmm. the United States the year before, um, and as part of Ainsley's Angels. And I'm forgetting who we had the oh, um, I was going to say we had Michael Wardian, but we've never had him uh-uh. on. So yes, yeah, so we like to have a father runner, and so I have my sights set. I'm Peter, Peter Sagal for for this well, year. He so he also has a book coming out, a running book coming out. Oh, so, right, uh, right. Yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, like Dim and I, you know, we have a connection. We're all uh, Peter, Dimity, and I are all contributing editors for Runner's right. World. Right. So, um, so okay, so we need to hatch right here and now, just on the spur of the moment. We need to, um, is it hashtag Peter Father's Day? <laughs> Peter oh. AMR Father's Day. Oh gosh. Yeah. I need to get back um, to you maybe on it's that. just. Yeah. Maybe it's just hashtag AMR Father's Day. Mm. And then, you know, and then people need to tweet to him and say, you need to be on the Another Mother Runner right. podcast. Hashtag Maybe something AMR like hashtag Father's Day. get Peter hashtag. <laughs> uh, that, that might sound a little menacing. Uh, oh, well, yeah, true, true. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I'm, going with, I'm going with hashtag AMR Father's Day. No okay. apostrophe because you can't have punctuation yeah. in a hashtag. So, yeah. So, all right, people, start doing that because yep. we want Peter. And um, he's... 
at I know he's um he has two Twitter handles. Is, um, yeah. So no, okay, yeah, it is um yeah, it's just at Peter Sagal. Yeah. A P E T E R S A G A L. And because uh, I know there is, he has one with Peter. Peter yeah, it's runs just or Peter runs is the other, yeah. but it doesn't look like he uses that one. I know. Yeah. So let's go with yeah. at Peter Sagal. And remember, the hashtag is AMR Father's Day. Ladies, yep. let's make this happen. All right. Um, <laughs> Adrian's got her scheme. I've got my intentions. They have been put out into the universe. We're going to make this happen. Yes. Power of the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was my that was my trip to Chicago. Um, okay, good. I did not run. I was supposed to get up and run oh. on Thursday. Well, I stuck my head outside. Or I really looked out the window. At your hotel. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to... Let me take that back. 20th floor. Suddenly your hair looks like (laughs) a nightmare. It's a new facial treatment. (laughs) Right. Yes. And given that it was pelting little ice balls... (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I went, you know what? I'm not. I don't have to, so not doing it. Oh, that's too bad because it's so pretty. What a beautiful city to run. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I was right on the waterfront. It would have been... Oh, But I was out and went back to bed. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So on the plane on the way back, I listened to the first two episodes of S Town. Mm hmm. Um, Yeah. But I'm not sure we uh, can talk about it without spoiling it. So. Yeah, so we're not going to go there, but so S-Town is the podcast that's taking the nation by storm, and I have some very definite ideas about mm. it. So um, maybe we can wait until you've listened yes, to the entire yes. series. Well, I'm we'll heading talk. to Rhode Island this weekend. Oh, so yeah, to see Michelle. To, to see Michelle and to run in the, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Situsits, um 10K. Or are you, you're not trying to say situate, are you? I might be. <laughs> no, 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 no. It has it's situates in Massachusetts. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's like SAU. It's just south of Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, in right, the right. national park right there. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So I nice. want to run a Zippy Fast 10K. Oh, nice. Well, good luck with that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Uh, well, and I hosted a book group here at my house last oh, night. Right. And, what was the book? Uh, it was, I had chosen it. I like to choose classics. It was The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. Okay. I'm a huge Edith Wharton fan. Good One for day you. Molly and I plan on going to the Mount, which is her yes. um, home in Western Massachusetts near Lenox. Mm-hmm. I have actually, um, I have driven past it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it pretty? I think uh, we were doing it, part of it. It was kind of a crappy time of year, so I oh. don't really hold the house responsible for that. <laughs> Damn you, house! <laughs> it was during mud season, so like oh, nothing okay. around here looks great. So okay, yeah. okay. Um, so uh, not a lot of people like the book. Um, I mean, we didn't have a lot of people. There were only only five of us total last night. But right. um, uh, but Molly loved it, and it was my second time. I have read it once, and I was listening to it on audiobook. So and it was a good audiobook. Right. Um. So um. And I I love it. I actually don't love the movie, but I do love the book. Mm. Um. So anyway, but I made a delicious, delicious um entree, and that's how our book group works. Uh, the host makes the entree, and then um people via email decide beforehand what they're going to bring to augment it. Oh, so great. I made a um, braised chicken with grapes, which is a recipe from the New York Times mm-hmm. from an upcoming guest on the podcast, Melissa oh, Clark. Right. Okay. Yes. That you, you're that that's probably the next time you'll be on the podcast. When I think we so. Talk yep. to Melissa Clark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So because she has a new cookbook out, uh, dinner changing the game. 
And um, so, but this is from the New York Times and it's so tasty. Right. Uh, um, so that was a big hit. And, and you um, made it for your parents, didn't you? In- I did look at you remembering that. Yeah, I remember. That makes me feel Just special. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, I made it for my parents. And um, then it was funny because then when I was hosting book group, I'm like, wait, Molly had told me I should make some specific recipe when I told her about it. What was it? Because when I got back from Connecticut, I'm like, oh, I made the best recipe. And I told her and she goes, oh, you should totally cook that for the next book group. Right. So right. Um, yeah, so that's what I did. And You, uh, you could have made like a thematic... Uh, you know, 19th century swan or something. I don't know. We we, we often do that, you know, if we're reading, I don't know, books in India, people will cook Indian food or whatever. And I'm just like, you know what? It's a like dinner party-ish type of dish, but it's, um, it seems fancy, but it's so easy that Mm -hmm. um, you can make it on a weeknight after you've had a busy day of work, which was my, the case with me. Right. So, um, yeah. So, and I'm making a note to myself to put the, a link to the recipe in oh, yeah. the notes yeah, yeah, yeah. for in the show notes um so anyway um uh and i'm literally i can't talk and write uh, <laughs> at the same time <laughs> so yeah um house of mirth um I'm i love big, house of mirth uh, oh. and i'm glad somebody does because i edith wharton is i've never warmed up to edith wharton i'm not sure oh. why but i've also wow. never and i'll lay this right out here and i know your head's gonna kind of Oh my gosh, you're going you're to dismiss Ethan Fromm, aren't you? Not dismissing. Oh. Um, I get it. Um, but I've never felt compelled to read it again. Um, <gasps> yeah, I know. I'm also not a big Jane Austen fan. I know. Oh. Oh. I know. <laughs> oh. I know. Oh my gosh, because with Jane Austen, I mean, when I re-re- I reread the books in hopes that I'll find a section I might have missed the previous mm. time. <laughs> no, it's weird because I have a lot of friends who are huge Jane Austen fans. And I have uh-huh. read, I think, every one of her books I've read the first three quarters of. Oh. Yeah. And wow. just gone, you know what? I just don't care. Oh, yeah. no. I know. No, I know. It's all right. I'm sure I like lots of books that you don't. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're books. It's not, you know, it's not like I'm advocating for something horrific. I just, you know. Because uh, I've told you that, I've told you that Ethan from the novella by Edith Wharton, like, right. I just cried and cried and cried. I just couldn't stop crying. Yeah. But then it was, it was funny. I I, re, I listened to it and it didn't affect, I didn't cry a single tear when I listened hmm. to it. Well, maybe because uh, you already know. Mm-hmm. Well, What's no, coming? but I mean, if you've read it more than once, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just have a heart of stone, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it goes yes. back to the do you cry over it books. Does. Or... <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Which no, I was I got pleased nothing. to find out on Twitter, I am not the only one who cries oh, over no, books. Oh, no, no, you're not the only one. Um, it's just apparently it doesn't get me in the feels, as the kids okay. say. It's just not okay. my. And do not you, my... are you much for classic literature? Um, I guess not, because nothing is really leaping to mind when you say oh. that. Oh. Yeah. I read oh. a lot, and you can mock me on this, because um, I've wounded Jane Austen. Um, <laughs> I read a lot of uh, fantasy and science fiction. Um, oh, okay. So, gave, like... Um, go ahead. I was about to say, so, you know, uh, what was it? Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters or something like oh, that. Sense, oh, sure. I loved Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. So that okay. I kind of enjoyed. Maybe I just, yeah, maybe I just need my literature to be less literature and more... Uh, <laughs> more <laughs> Walking Dead-ish? Yeah, well, maybe not that far, but, you know. 
<laughs> set in space. So give me Ethan Frome in a sled in space. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, uh, speaking of um, sci-fi and, and that type of stuff, um, for Molly's birthday was a couple weeks ago. And one mm-hmm. of the things I gave her was a copy of Ray Bradbury's Ray Bar- Bradbury's The Illustrated Man. Oh, which is I a love collection that book. of short stories. Yeah. And um, I love The Velt. It's one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember and, being... Um, yeah, being what? Uh, haunted by that as a kid. I just imagine this. That's the one with the house that has, like, the... The room that come, that the yes. kids uh, kind of imagine. And it yes. looks like a veldt, which is, you know... A, um, right, an uh, African Geographic. Plane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm here. All right. Oh, hello, hello, Louise. Hi. <laughs> we're, we're talking literature. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, my goodness, I haven't even introduced you, Louise. So this is, uh, I think we're just going to roll with this and I'm just going to, um, uh, I'm going to introduce you, Louise, and then I'll welcome you. How about that? Sounds good. Even though now sounds a little, you know, phony because I've already welcomed you. But anyway, okay. So Louise is the person I'm talking to and, and she is Louise Green, author of the just published book, Big Fit Girl, Embrace the Body You Have, an inspiring account of how plus size women can become fit and healthy based on Louise's own personal experience. A personal trainer, Louise is the founder of Body Exchange, a plus size fitness boot camp with seven locations in Canada. And uh, when we come back from this short break, we're going to chat with Louise. Welcome to the show, Louise. Thanks for having me. Oh, happy to have you. Um, Since we have you, can you tell us a little bit about your athletic background and kind of where you are now with your running? Um, My athletic background kind of started about 15 years ago at a Learn to Run 5K club and has progressed really from there. So did my first 5k did multiple 5ks and then 10ks and half marathons and then i kind of went to a place where i wasn't loving running and um i'm not sure what that was about but i started doing triathlon and so i Mm -hmm. really am now running for triathlon so it's usually like a 5 or 10k distance right so can you tell me a little bit about training for that first 5k kind of what got you started um and if you had somebody who helped you kind of get into it yeah so um we have the running room here and i think in the u.s as well but uh i went to the club on the first night absolutely terrified to Mm -hmm. go because i thought i'm gonna be the biggest i'm gonna be the slowest they're gonna leave me behind or they're just gonna play and think i'm in the wrong place Right. And I finally made it into the club because I was on this perpetual cycle of trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And this woman stood out before us and introduced herself as our run leader. And she was a plus size athlete. And I was really taken back by that because I'd not seen a woman of her size in fitness leadership. And in Vancouver here where I live, it's an extremely active city. Oh, yeah. People run. Um, and I'd never seen a plus size woman running. So I was very taken back by this, but it really, um, kind of self-assured me that I'm actually going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So I trained with her for, through the 12 week program and crossed the finish line with her. And just the way that she coached us 
really resonated with me. It was never about bikini seasons coming or it was just about like pushing yourself to be the strongest athletic version of yourself. And for the first time, that's that was the first time that I had been coached in that way. And it really stuck for me. And I just went on from there. Right. Right. Are you are you still in touch with that run later? When I wrote my book, because she's her that story's in the book, I reached out to oh, her right. and, and it was 10 years later and I told her everything that had happened. And she was like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea that I had le- like left my career and pursued fitness. Like it really was her representation and um, influence that made me do that. Oh, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. All right. Okay. So given that Adrian and I are ignorant Americans, tell us about Body Exchange, your boot camp business. Um, I love that its tagline is fearless fitness at any size. Well, after I had been doing that running with Chris for a number of years, I had a personal trainer that invited me to um, start running, being a running coach in a 10K clinic. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time when I was leading other people to the finish line that I was like, I, this is my calling. I've this, I've arrived my day job. I was a talent agent and I would sit across the table from the most beautiful people in the world and tell them that the producer thought they had to lose weight or whiten their teeth. And so I was like in this high endorphin rush with people like pushing them to finish these things that they didn't think were possible on the weekends and then going into my day job and like cutting people down. And I just was like, I I can't do this anymore. So I really started to see that there was a demographic that was being underserved. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to open a business that was dedicated specifically for plus size women to reach their athletic potential because of really because of the profound experience I'd had personally. That's great. Yeah. Um, Can you share with us how your book, Big Fit Girl came into being and kind of what conversation or conversations you hope it sparks? Well, it was, it's kind of an extension of the work that I do where we have a demographic of women that doesn't really feel represented or catered to for their specific right. needs in fitness. So it was kind of an extension of that because when you go to the bookstore, there's really a lack of um, information and visual imagery that represents this demographic. So again, I just saw this gap in the market where I was like, these people need somebody to speak to them specifically. And when I say these people, I'm included in that demographic, Right. as are much of the population included in that demographic. <laughs> so I just thought mm-hmm. that there was a huge gap in, in the information provided in the fitness bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's, it's different for um, plus size women? How is the information different? Is it how you distribute it or? I think that um, there is, I think there's a whole actually bunch of differences, I think. But I mean, this can apply to um, a range of women. But when you're completely cut out of the visual landscape, Mm -hmm. it has negative consequences on your motivation to participate 
So I believe that when you can't, you can't be what you can't see. So we have people that we have like these headlines out there that are kind of fear mongering, like the obesity epidemic and you must get moving and you must lose weight. But at the same time, I don't feel like our fitness industry is that welcoming to this demographic in the way that they're not in the invitation to join in. So in the marketing message, we just don't see this woman. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing. So the book starts off with addressing that. I know that you're fearful and here's the reasons why. And I even interviewed psychologists that talk about weight bias and like really laying it out there for people to understand why they find it difficult to approach fitness because many women will just blame themselves. I can't get my, I can't get it together. I'm, I'm a failure. They'll internalize that fit, that uh, lack of being able to adhere when really Mm -hmm. we're not making it that welcoming. Mm-hmm. So that's one mm-hmm. thing. And then you get into gear. There's a whole barrier there for sure. women of size to find gear to actually move in. So there's a exactly. whole dedicated to that. And then just relationships with food. That's not de- that's not specifically for plus size women. But there's, you know, a, a significant demographic of plus size women have struggled with their relationship with food. Um, mm-hmm. So it addresses those type of topics that are common to plus size women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your book introduced me to the phrase health at every size or H-A-E-S as it's abbreviated. And is there a way to, do people say that like haze or is there a way to say that? Or I don't know, but, um, <laughs> so, but, um, could you, could you talk about that health at every size movement and how it can have a practical impact on in women's lives? Well, I think the health at every size movement is about, um, like relinquishing this, this cycle to try to lose weight and dieting all the time. Because really when I was doing that, I wasn't feeling very healthy mentally or mm-hmm. physically. Um, so I think that they they look at health from um, not just based on weight. So we live in a pretty dominant society where you go to the doctor and as soon as they see that you're you know, carrying some extra weight, it's about, oh, that I'm seeing this body size and I'm saying right now that that's unhealthy and you need to lose weight. I think the health at every size movement is saying that weight and health are two different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I have to say that my mother was just hounded by her doctor who she still sees at age. She's my mother's almost 91. And, um, my mother was like a size 16 typically, but, uh, kind of between a 14 and 18, um, for my entire life until just recently. But, um, but yet, as I said, my mother's almost 91. Yeah. I just want to like turn back the clock and be like, Hey, you know, Dr. Lee Witz, can you get off my mom's case? (laughs) (laughs) Now's not the time for dieting. Like just, you know what I mean? But also 91 to, I I think 91 year olds often face the reverse where they have a hard time keeping weight on. I think a 91 year old, that's a size 14 is is good actually oh yeah now she's definitely i mean she's dropped a lot of weight just in part because she's not cooking for my dad um as she used to um he eats um pureed food so it's not quite as enjoyable to make uh, gourmet <laughs> meals and um but but yeah but just all those years of just she would just come back and it just it just i could see that it was just like oh yeah yet again he's on her about losing weight losing weight and is- yet she was walking with her neighbor you know with our neighbor for 
you know, on four or five days a week. She, you know, we had a big house that she cleaned and carried groceries and, you know, she was very physically active mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, obviously her, her heart's in great shape. She's, yeah. she's still kicking it at, at almost 91. So is was Dr. There any- Leibowitz still alive? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah any- what were you? Did she have any health concerns because of her weight or was that just kind of, uh, she had, uh, she had high blood, she has high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Who doesn't really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but it just, it, it just kind of, I don't know. Um, and then as a result, you know, our whole, our whole family sort of thought like, Oh, mom needs to lose weight. Mom needs to lose weight. Why can't mom lose weight? And it's like, I just wish we'd all just chillax a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big Fit Girl is full of really great advice, especially for runners like me who don't fit into the mold of what you think a runner should be. Because mm-hmm. um, I am easily also a 14, 16, uh, maybe a 12 on a really, really good day. Mm-hmm. Um, and one nugget that I think kind of applied to runners, including myself, when I was contemplating running a marathon is... Um, a healthy dose of fear is normal, but if you're also feeling excited and energized to move forward, you're ready. Um, can you talk a little bit about knowing when it's time to step up to a new challenge? Well, for me, like if you're talking about in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, for me, my misery of not <laughs> living the life I wanted to live kind of started to surpass my fear to go do it. Right. Um, So that's when I kind of knew, okay, this misery is greater now than my fear. So I have to just bust through that fear. And the thing is, I think I talk about this in the book as well. And I'm sure you guys will relate as athletes. There's always fearful moments. Like Mm -hmm. when you take it to the next level, there is always that, uh, I'm, I'm feeling, yeah, like you say, healthy fear. Like the time I joined an open water swim clinic last year and walked down the beach in my wetsuit in right. Right. a group full of people that don't look like me that there I am again that beginner runner outside the running store terrified again right but you get mm-hmm. in the water with these people everyone's friendly we all have common goals you know there's always going to be a bit of fear but I think walking through it becomes like building a muscle right you just right. you just know it's part of the process And I think if you, you know, if we're talking about like when to take it to the next level um, after you've been doing it a while, I think when I was running, I was just, I was kind of bored of it. I was, I was, I, I was kind of dreading it. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to try triathlon because it's, it's time for me to shift into something different because this wasn't feeling very passionate anymore. So I think you just have to listen to the signals within yourself. Like, okay, am I, am I bored? Am I, do, uh, do I need a, a bigger challenge? Like, right. you know, once you've been running 5Ks for a while, it's probably time to step it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So whether it's weight, age, or life situation, they're all things that we feel are hold that they are holding us back and in your book you talk about keeping expectations in check and setting small attainable goals can you explain louise why it's important to forget about what used to be and concentrate on your current starting point i think it's 
that's such a crucial idea for all of us. I know I spent too much time looking back on paces I could run at an earlier age and, yeah. um, you know, lamenting, oh, why aren't I younger? So I feel that <laughs> this isn't, that, that, that feel you know, like not acknowledging where you currently are, I feel it's not just a weight consideration. Right. No, it's not just a weight consideration because if you're using that as a benchmark, mm-hmm. as we're getting older too, right? Like it's, then there's that constant sense of failure. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing, because I work with many women who have felt like failures in fitness, in some cases, women have fitness trauma because they've had such bad fitness experiences. My number one goal is to make sure that they feel successful. So if we are looking at benchmarks from high school, and I literally have people say that, well, I used to be able to do this in high school. I'm like, that was 20, 30, that was 30 years <laughs> right. ago. Like, get, like, why can't we take into consideration that and accept that our bodies change mm-hmm. and, and right. that we do get older and that good for you for still remaining, you know, in the race. Mm-hmm. That's what should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm intrigued by, if I can ask a follow up to that, I'm intrigued by the idea of fitness trauma. Could you talk a little I, bit more about that? I was about to exa- ask the exact same question. <laughs> I love that phrase because it reminds me of, you know, all the high school classes and, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I have fitness challenge. trauma. That might yeah. be what it is. Yeah, I know. I, and it's actually, I know that we have a chuckle about it because it's, it is a term that we don't often hear, but it's an actual thing where I just took on a new client And um, I asked her how she was feeling during the session because I knew that she had had a bad fitness experience and she turned her face away from me. Mm. And I was like, are you like, I thought, wow, I think she's actually crying. Right. I checked in with her and I'm like, what's happening right now? And she said, I'm just so happy that I think I found somewhere where I'm actually going to be active. And so she had had a trainer that some trainers take it as a badge of honor. It's cool that, um, oh, I made my client vomit today or I made like really hardcore stuff. And this trainer kept saying to her, I want you to get your money's worth. So to the point where it was just so like, she didn't feel successful. And so that's the key again, where we need everybody to leave feeling mm-hmm. successful and you know there's runs where that doesn't happen right, right. Where you're mm-hmm. back from the run and you're like that sucked mm-hmm. um but again that's part of the process but when you're training somebody it's really important that they they leave the session feeling like a success and mm-hmm. people that were forced in high school to do gym classes i had i've had countless people say they were forced to put on shorts when they were bigger and they felt terrible and insecure and or they were overlooked for their abilities because they were larger and and you know the jock people were always the popular and the people that weren't were like kind of cast off to the side there's there's literal trauma around these experiences where Mm -hmm. people then Mm -hmm. um abandon fitness for for years sometimes like decades yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, did, this... I, wait, I just want to say we also okay. uh, don't mean to belittle it, and and that 
uh, us laughing, I think, a little bit. Adrian, I, I think we were laughing a little bit because it was funny that we both were like, want to chime in with this question. But, but I know. Um, no, it's yeah. more of a rueful laugh than a, yeah. oh, that's no. funny. It's more like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I know that. Yeah. yeah. I, don't think, yeah. I don't feel like you guys were laughing because it is, it's, it's almost like, what is fitness trauma? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. right. kind of like that nervous laughter. Like, because we can relate to some degree, but for exactly. some people, yeah. very, mm-hmm. very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of ties into that a little, well, maybe not. But um, you mentioned before talking about women runners and, and women that you train as, as athletes. Um, and I've run a fair bit. And I almost, every time I hear somebody say, oh, well, you're an athlete or you're athletic. I just can't quite own that label. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you have any advice for women to to kind of own that label more and and how you can how that helps if you do? Well, my take on it is if you're doing athletic things, you're an athlete. And <clears throat> I define this um, in in a talk that I do that Oxford, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says a person who's proficient in fitness and sport. So really, we're talking about proficiency in in fitness and athletics, right? So I think we can all, in the true term of athlete, own it. But what society has done has, uh, through our marketing and media message, has created this whole other meaning that's really segregated people and left out a massive portion of the population. So now athlete in, in the world as we know it is typically a someone in their 20s, mm-hmm. extremely ripped and lean and almost always Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I, did. so- <laughs> I didn't expect this to be quite so, just a lot of things are landing right now. That's uh, a- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the myths you bust in Big Fit Girl is that uh, the myth of big girls can't be successful athletes. And mm-hmm. and I'm five foot eleven, close to 170 pounds, and I think of myself as a big runner. Yeah. And the the first time I went to Boston to run the marathon, I got to stay at the host hotel, which was just full full of whippet size runners. Yeah. And, I've, and, and I've, I've told this story before, but in the lobby or riding the elevator, I always wanted to carry a sign that read, I qualified for the race too, people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just felt there, there was, I just felt massive in comparison to all these little folks. And, and so can you talk a bit about the notion that success isn't necessarily tied to size? Well, I think like in your daily reality, you know that because you live it. And in my daily reality, I I just see the most astounding things coming from larger bodied women. Mm-hmm. But we don't, it's coming back to that visual landscape that we see on our daily basis that I'm trying desperately to get more visibility of diversity in mm-hmm. because it really does play on people's participation and how they feel when they do participate. Like you should have been like parading up and down that lobby, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, but it's like people shouldn't, and whether that's within your own mind or if people, if, if you felt judged, but it's the reality that because we're constantly bombarded with Mm -hmm. certain specific, um, with uh, certain specific types of athletes, then not even types, type. Yeah, athlete, yeah. Um, we we just we can't we can't equate the notion that this person is capable of of X. 
Like I have this great picture of me at the, um, I did the Bank of Montreal half marathon here in Vancouver. And I have this great picture. Mm -hmm. I should send it to you guys of me with the, the best time in the 85 to 90 category. <laughs> who, who, by the way, beat my time. Like this right? guy beat my time. And I was like, why don't we see that? <laughs> like, wouldn't that encourage maybe not 80 year old people to get into marathoning, but it right. might be a water aerobics class or, mm -hmm. or whatever they might be capable of. Because if you can't see yourself, there's already massive barriers to fitness. But even when you go to approach it and, and as a bigger person, you can't find things that fit mm -hmm. or you can't see yourself but when you go onto the website and it's like ripped and lean 20 year old Caucasian women in bra tops, mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. that creates more of a barrier. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that might be my next uh, band name. Uh, 20 <laughs> Caucasian women in bra tops. I think, we'll get... <laughs> <laughs> oh I think a lot of, I think we'll get a big audience really. They'll be disappointed, yeah. but <laughs> I don't... And not to take anything away from a 20 year old. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. But, but that's all we're seeing. Like, I don't want to ever sound like I'm putting any kind of woman down because that's not, but we need more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think there is, there is diversity, you know, I mean, um, you see a lot of different models or, or real athletes of color. Um, and, and then sometimes I'm thinking about the, um, that Athleta cover that had that, right. um, that what was an 80 year old woman doing the yogini, yeah, you know, like doing that. the push up on her, you know, cross-legged, uh, without her butt being on the ground. Cause she was pushing up with her arms, that type of thing. But there does, you know, I haven't gotten the catalog or the only magazine I can think of is that women's running cover, um, that had the plus size runner on it that one time, but it just seems like there's a diversity in, in a lot of other ways, but still you're, you're so right, Louise, that, that in terms of images of larger athletic women, it's really slow, yeah. slow getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to speak more on that women's running magazine, like when that came out, mm -hmm. I got, my phone would not stop ringing from the, from the local media here in Vancouver to comment uh. And I put um, a, a Google alert on that, and I uh -huh. was getting Google alerts from Ireland, from the Ukraine, all over the world because a running magazine put a size 16 woman on the cover. Right. It was an glo right. international global news story. Uh-huh. Yeah, and which you know, in a way, it's, it's, it's awesome, and in the other way, it's so sad. It's, yeah, yeah, it's both at the same time. Yeah, and and it's also that that um, I mean, it's wonderful that you got so much exposure, Louise, for that that they turn to you as an expert because of of you know what you do with body exchange and and in your own life. But it's also like like they didn't have twenty, they didn't have thirty experts that they could call. You know, it's like Ooh. Louise Green, she's she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I think it's great too that 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 women's running magazine broke ground on it. I think it's oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But even the editor in chief at that magazine in an interview said, we're just trying to reflect what you see at a race. And right. really we're not asking for anything that's untrue. We're just asking for accurate representation. I mean, these women are at the races. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, 
yeah yeah they're, they're they're making up a lot of the another mother runner tribe and oh, we're easily, grateful yeah. grateful for their for yeah. their support yeah um so you wrote in your, speaking of races you wrote about race volunteers assuming that you're running the 5k instead of the half marathon um yes. and excuse my language here but what's the most bullshit thing you've heard or had said to you about size or weight and athletics well I recently had a guy go out of his way to send me a message to say that I'm the most uneducated mm. uh, person that has no idea what I'm talking about. And just because I have a social media following doesn't make you an expert. Mm. <laughs> okay. And was the um, first thought I, in your head, you took time to write that, huh? Yeah. And then, like, I responded to him and then it got into, like, kind of an argument. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not. I'm here to inspire women of all shapes and sizes. I'm not here to um, battle with people that are committed to misunderstanding what I'm doing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 So people really do, people, volunteers have actually said, oh, the 5K starts that way and, and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. That was my first half marathon where the, they went, they were digging through their race packages in the 5K without even asking me. Oh. <gasps> Um, and I, oh my and I gosh, said, oh, we don't have your package. And I'm like, that's cause I'm running the half. And he's oh like, my gosh. Oh. and at the time I got like really upset about it. But afterwards, after reflecting about it, I thought that young man sees the same imagery and messaging that yeah. everyone else sees. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how can we really blame them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel Louise sometimes that, um, you mentioned how fit Vancouver is and I've certainly been there and I've run the marathon there and and know from from um, taking a look around that um, and I live here in Portland Oregon and have lived in San Francisco and some other cities that have just a, a ton of people fit people outdoors exercising so you know it's pretty much everywhere you turn to look do you think it's almost harder sometimes to be in those places and try to look different than the rest of the crowd? Because I know that here in Portland, I'm sometimes like, yeah, I'm not like one of those little tiny runners that, you know, again, looks like they qualified for Boston. I think it is a little bit harder. I do, honestly, like we have such, well, we are the healthiest city in our country, Mm -hmm. um, according to stats. So I'm not sure how they're basing health, but, but that stat, we're the fittest and healthiest city in our country. And there is a huge running culture here and i think that it is that much more intimidating to approach because not many of the people that are within that community are you know you don't see an abundance of plus size women but what i will say and i'm sure you feel the same way about this i hope so is that the running community is a kick-ass community oh yeah uh-huh. yeah <laughs> so I don't feel like anyone by another runner would be ostracized, but encouraged. I think it's right. hard to break in and approach it. But once you're in it, I've been nothing but supported. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. the, the stores here are great. And um, I had a great event hearing you t- um, talk about the running room. I'm not sure if that was the name of it, but I had such a great event for our first book um, in Tawasin. Isn't that oh, how you yeah. say the name of the? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So don't make me spell it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got some letters that you can't hear when you say it. But yeah. um, but I had such a great experience. They um, the store there. Um, her name's Nancy, the owner of it, and I'm embarrassed to say that. Um, is it is it the the run in maybe? 
Is there a store there called that? I'm trying to remember. So that um, just had this great event. We ran along the, the uh, this path that kind of went parallel to the beach for a while. And it was the, pretty much the biggest turnout I had of any reading and run on our entire Run Like a Mother book tour. And um, so I have a lot of fondness for Tawasin, British Columbia. Um. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so um, we haven't touched much on um, dieting. You mentioned it a couple once or twice maybe, but um, you write a lot about shedding the diet mentality. So yeah. I, re- I realize that's basically a whole other podcast, but um, what's some practical practice advice you could give women trying to throw aside that way of thinking? Well, I don't know about you guys, but when I run long distances, I am really hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just don't believe in trying to restrict that hunger. So I'm all about like fulfilling that hunger with nutritionally dense food. As, mm-hmm. as in the best way possible, right? So, um, you know, great com- complex carbohydrates and proteins and, and healthy grains. And, I, you know, I also talk about in the book about reward with food, which I used to do a lot. Well, I ran 10K, so I'm going to go eat a pizza. Mm-hmm. Ran, <laughs> right. Know, really? <laughs> really, I, I really had to take a second look at that type of thinking. Like, you know, to some degree, that's okay, but I think you need to be really careful of of rewarding with with large amounts of food, or you know, mm-hmm. you know, not the healthiest food. Because when you've put out so much energy into a run, your body is craving to be replenished with good food. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not gonna pretend to profess that I've got the food thing down pat because I don't. I'm still like, it's an ongoing journey for me, but I tried to eat last night. I went for a really long swim and I knew that throughout the day, if I wasn't hydrated and ate well throughout the day, that I was going to be dragging my body through the water. Mm -hmm. So it's all about athletic performance for me and replenishing after athletic performance with the best food possible. Mm -hmm. But I don't restrict Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. portions and like, I don't, I don't do what I used to do where it was, you know, counting points and calories and fat. I just eat to perform and eat to replenish and, you know, do that in the best way possible. Right. And every now and again, have a cookie just because. Yeah, that's part of life. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I'm with my son and, and we go to the coffee shop and we want to have a coffee and a cookie, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad about it because I did that for so many years. Like, oh, this is bad with my air quotes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> losing that language around food, like I was good today or I was bad, you know, because then it becomes very punishing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, so uh, do you have a triathlon on your horizon, Louise? I have a couple of triathlons um, in the summer, and mm-hmm. I have signed up for a lot of runs this year, too, because I oh. mentioned earlier that I really had lost my zest. Mm-hmm. And so I've signed up for, I think I signed up for nine. We, wow. we have a series here called the MEC series, and um, they're just five and 10Ks. I think some of them are halves, but I've signed up for nine five and 10 Ks. And I've signed up for a half marathon, the Scotia 
half marathon. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done the Scotia. I heard that you can get a really good time on it. So I was like, okay, that's where uh -huh. I'm going to go back to. <laughs> and then I also do um, the Ride to Conquer Cancer every year, which is a two day cycling event from Vancouver to Seattle. So this oh, is fifth year doing that. Oh, that must be gorgeous. It is. It's really hard, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh -huh. for a good cause. And uh, yeah, we total over 250 kilometers. So it's, it's wow. a long ride. Yeah. I have a friend who yeah. does, she, I think it's Toronto to Montreal, maybe, or maybe the other way around. I can't remember, but it's also another uh, cycle for, ca for cancer to raise money yeah, for cancer have, research. Yeah, um, they have the right to conquer cancer, I think in various cities across Canada. So it's a really great event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, they... I'm trying to, I'm trying to mix it up. I'm trying yeah. to, you know, like I, I really do like running and I've done it for years and, you know, there's no better high, but mm -hmm. I really felt in the last couple of years that I needed to mix it up. Nice. Nice. And what's the closest of races with nine 5K or 10Ks that you have? I mean, like, I mean, are they weeks apart? Or are they, you know, one day after the other? No, they are. Um, so they started in January. They go all the way to the oh. end of the year. So um, okay. I think they're like usually six weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, nice. so the next one's April 15th, I think, and it's a 10K. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you mentioned your son. Is he a runner, too? No, he actually really doesn't like to run. <laughs> 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 no, he, he's in a swim club, so, oh, so nice. yeah, he swims. They swim him hard, and I swim beside him. Uh -huh, uh -huh, huh. Well, awesome. Well, it's been great talking with you, Louise. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great talk. So I felt like we could have covered about 10 more topics with Louise. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I also think that um, she maybe should bill me because that worked out some stuff in my brain from high school. So <laughs> good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you have, uh, you're taking your son to an eye appointment, so I'm going to let you, yes. I'm going to let Very you. Exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Very <laughs> exciting. The, the mother runner life. Yep. <laughs> All righty. Well, um, I'll talk to you um Sure, we'll talk before we talk to Melissa Clark uh, next Probably. month, but uh, that's, I think, the next show you're on. All right, take yep. it easy, Adrian. You too. I have two quick bits. Our limited edition Run Maryland merch, a running tank top and a trucker hat that are so dang amazing. We do limited edition stuff for races. This is for Zuma Annapolis. That is the first weekend in June. I'll be emceeing that race, but it was just too fantastic to keep under wraps. It has, um, I'd heard that people in Maryland really love their state flag. And um, so we have Black Eyed Susans, which is the state flower. One of them has the state flag pattern. There's a little hidden Oriole bird on the tank. Oh, it's amazing. So all that stuff is now in the Mother Runner store. Get it while it lasts. It's selling fast and supplies are limited. Second, once again, I'm I'm hoping you can send a voice memo for a show we're recording soon. It's called The Lowdown on Feeling Rundown. We're talking to a doctor about a range of topics from low iron to overtraining to lack of sleep to being overscheduled to the need to cross train. I suspect some of these might sound familiar to you. Um, I want to podca the podcast to include snippets of stories from gals who have felt run down and either what caused it or how you regained your energy. Please record a one to two minute voice memo on your cell phone, starting with your first name and where you're calling from. 
Then email that short voice memo to shopgal at anothermotherrunner.com. That's shopgal at anothermotherrunner.com. I need those voice memos by Thursday, April 16. And thanks in advance. And all right, we got a new closure. It turns out that Alex and I are of one mind. I was like, hey, you know, other podcasts like Say Who Does Their, Who Produces It, you know, what they're a member of, that sort of thing. So I emailed Alex. and He was like, I was just thinking about that on Monday. So, um, So here goes our first true outro. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures in Portland, Oregon. Whatever size you are, many happy miles. Mm-hmm.